Welcome to the VoxGig podcast. We talk to people in the developer community about developer relations, public speaking, and community events. For more details, visit voxgig.com podcast. All right, let's get started. I am speaking to Mark Leventure, CEO and co-founder of Scalar.com. Scalar.com is part of the new breed of developer relations-focused products. In this case, we're talking about documenting APIs, which is just kind of difficult. If you've ever done it, you'll know. Mark is a serial entrepreneur, and in the great tradition, he is scratching a personal itch. Alrighty, let's find out how Scalar.com works. Mark, welcome to the Fireside with VoxGig podcast. It is great to have you on today, coming all the way from British Columbia, I believe. Is it snowing yet? I'm actually in San Francisco at You're the point of this the... call, <laughs> okay. but uh, it is it is raining in Vancouver. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about your company, APIDocumentation.com. That's a, such a great name. No, wait, hold on a sec. You came up with a better name. <laughs> yeah, we we started with, uh, we found the domain APIDocumentation.com was available. Like Cam and I are super into domains, um, makes sense with, you know, Namecheap and, and our previous startup. And um yeah, we we started with that, and uh, we still offer that. Like, if you deploy on Scalar, you get a free subdomain, so you can get you know vox dot or voxgig dot dot com. But um, but yeah, we eventually wanted to kind of be a bit bigger than just API documentation, so um, we figured a, a brandable name would be better there. So now we're Scalar dot com. <laughs> yeah, which is awesome, right? Six letter dot com. Uh, but I guess, yeah, I mean, they, they're all gone, right? You have to, um, you have to buy them these days. Yeah, they're, um, definitely for the dot-coms. Yeah. yeah. There's, you'd be hard pressed to find like a 12, you know, the, whatever the current dot-com price is $12 for something like that, unless it's random letters. Yeah, totally. So I, uh, I see you have like engineering books on your bookshelf. So I'm guessing, I'm guessing scalar comes from. The fact that you did engineering math or something like that back in the yeah. day. Yeah. yeah. I, I studied um electrical and computer engineering. There you the, go. There you go. Yeah, at the <laughs> University of Victoria in Canada. I don't know if many people know that school, but awesome. And of course it's a it's a tiny bit ironic because scalars are ultimately the atoms of artificial intelligence mathematics, right? Uh, which is a place you guys are going and which we'll a subject we'll come back to in in a minute. Uh okay. So we've just we've just done the cold open, but let's rewind a little bit for our listeners. And uh, why don't you take us through Scalar.com, what you guys do? For sure, yeah. So my co-founder and I, Cameron, we all had this kind of hypothesis of, you know, what if we actually made Stripe-level docs as a product? The bigger question there is, you know, Stripe's been around for a long time. Their docs have been around. People love it. People love their developer experience. It's really easy to get started with Stripe. And we wanted to make APIs as accessible as possible for everyone, because not everyone has the same um, you know, capital to deploy or bandwidth that Stripe does for their developer experience. And most of the time, if you if you are if you're an API company, like that, that's like the critical point for which people are onboarding. So we're trying to make APIs as accessible as possible. Does that come from personal frustrations dealing with badly documented APIs? Yeah, I think it's um, a mix of, there's a lot of, well, firstly, I think every software company is an API company. So whether that's yes. internal or external, yeah. 
So not everyone's able to make, like couldn't be putting the time and effort into making their internal docs perfect. So for us, yeah, we saw that a lot of the times, uh, you know, just throwing Swagger UI or something at it was would be good enough for sure. But we figured, you know, we we can take it with a much more modern approach and make that better. I would say for me and my co-founder, I'm like the engineering background and Cam's like a phenomenal designer. Um, and he's also like HTML, CSS wizard. And um, whenever he would try to lean and try to reach into like any kind of API, he would often struggle. So kind of the, we're trying to make it as accessible as possible for anyone. Cause I think, especially right now, there's just a whole new wave of developers and engineers and um, I think always making things more accessible is a great thing. So, yeah, uh, there's a huge need for it. Uh, and you're right that every company is an API company. Uh, a lot of the work that we do is around helping people execute APIs, put them together. There's an existing system and we have to help, help them build an API and SDK. And conversely, uh, doing integrations. Uh, we have one client where I think we're up to our 16th integration. And this is across a wide range of APIs and SDKs. Uh, I'll give a shout out to uh, stitch.com because they have awesome documentation. And I would rank them number one of those 16. And then the 16th one, I'm not going to say who they are, but <laughs> uh, you know, it's just an absolute pain to work with their, their stuff, right? Uh, and that's with uh, a like, direct line to the devs. Um, so API documentation is a huge deal, right? Uh, and as a developer, it often makes the difference between the business adopting a service or not, because developers have a ton of power, ultimately, to kill things they don't like. Um, and in terms of your clients, how so how have you seen the thinking there, right? Are you uh, working with people that just understand that they need really good documentation or are you working with companies that have been forced into it because they're getting such bad feedback? How much buy-in do you get from leadership and founders? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. We, we also just huge caveat. We launched a month ago. <laughs> like, yeah, um, but you did, you must've done yeah. customer, customer discovery, right? Mom test, all that stuff. Right? Yeah, no, we yeah. did, we did lots of stuff before that, but, um, like the, and that was much more like focused, uh, yeah. customer group, I suppose is, is that's the difference. It wasn't that we were building in silo. It was just more so like now, now we're getting lots of inbound and. The... Okay. Well, Mark, let's talk again in one year's time. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> right let's we do it should, scientific we should definitely do it but yeah. i think right now like yeah we've been getting i've been having so many sales calls and conversations with everyone from developer experience people on the team all the way up to ctos also product managers so it's kind of the priority is is there in the company everyone wants to make this part of their business as you know as accessible as possible the onboarding time ideally is zero they just get in well not zero, but like you know very quick they just go in they're able to self-serve it's simple yeah. and um the ideal kind of workflow too is um you know you you kind of alluded to it you're you mentioned like having like a developer to chat with with the api or something and it there's a lot of great examples of you know founders like that are selling apis like just being right there helping integrate as much as they can effectively being an integration engineer and yes. um that's kind of one of the the things we're building towards too is we have um, this kind of AI integration engineer 
where you can kind of converse with the API as if you're getting help onboarding. And, and there's a lot of features that we're building towards that that are meaningful and um, trying really hard to reduce the uh, onboarding time. So I think, um, I think there's a lot of things to do when you're running a company. There's a constant prioritization problem. And for us to just be able to take a lot of stress off, which is like giving you beautiful docs and effectively an integration engineer and reducing the onboarding time is really something that's been a lot of pull for us. Do you help people write the docs, right? So can I give you a swagger definition or, you know, can you pull my GraphQL uh, schema files and generate stuff? Like what, what's the effort involved in actually getting up and running? For sure. We, we start like the open source launch we started with was with open API and swagger spec. So you yeah. bring that in and we give you beautiful documentation. Also, um, we launched uh, a feature around, we take that open API spec, swagger spec, you write out a few titles and it'll, it'll populate the documentation for you. It gives you a really, really great starting point. Um, and it was something that cam this kind of ethos that Cameron and I have carried with us from the launch code, like our first startup days is like, we want to give um, tools to, for people to get started. And we know that it's going to be a fantastic starting point, but it's still going to, we're still going to need that human touch for the beginning. It's kind of like our free AI logo maker we built unbelievable starting point gets you super stoked, but you're going to need a designer eventually or to get that out. So it's the same, same kind of thing with, with documentation. It's a fantastic starting point, but it's, um, it's definitely going to need some human touch. So. Well, documentation is super valuable in a lot of ways, right? So it, it, of course, it makes it easier to use whatever API you're exposing. Um, but I really like uh, things like Vercel let you give feedback directly in the docs, right? You can you can just like you know put in a comment or you know I, I didn't like this particular paragraph or this was unclear or how exactly does this work? Do, do you guys have features like that or are you planning to have them? That's actually like one one of the most requested features. So we're we're working we're working, <laughs> yeah. we're working there you on go. that. <laughs> um, so it's great. It was one of those things where there's there's a pull request from earlier this year where we did we had it and then it just yeah. like fell. <laughs> it just fell uh... through. So so that'll come back in the next cycle. I promise. Yeah, that's a that's a plus one for that one. Um, so okay, so I got to ask right where where do you where do you see uh, generative AI fitting into all this stuff right because this is kind of this magic pixie dust feeling around this stuff that oh I just pointed out my code and I've got my docs. Yeah, I think I think it's there's two sides to it too. There's kind of the ingestion, so like how you're taking in APIs or or integration, and you're trying to integrate. And there's also like the, the generative part there too, because you know we're going to be generating like code snippets or maybe things inside of your testing client or right inside of your IDE. And I think where we really see the future of you know, where we're taking Scalar to is is really the cohesion and amalgamation. Of... Right now, it's pretty stale and fragmented from what we've kind of seen. Like you have documentation, testing, and then maybe code generation. Maybe it's all kind of se separate. But um, what we've what we've had a lot of success with and what we really see as we're building towards too is a really cohesive experience where you have the documentation, you have the code generation, you have the querying. Um, and it's a really simple interface. So that's what we're building towards. Um, okay, so do you, uh, the other side of it is, do you mostly focus on reference documentation or do you cover the other elements? Um, so one of the things in developer relations, one of the kind of 
best practices, I guess, is facilitating different ways of learning, right? So some people learn best by sample apps. Some people just want to go straight to the reference docs. Uh, other people want tutorials. Other people want kind of, I don't know, uh, subject-focused blog posts. Um, so do you like do you guys focus initially on one particular area or, or is the vision to help with all of those different types of content? Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, we, we have a full like guide part of the product so awesome. if you awesome yeah so, cool. so if you go, if cool. you go to docs.scalar.com we built a notion like editing experience um i don't know if you're familiar with tip tap but we i can dive into how we built yeah it oh yeah 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 tip tap's fantastic um so we built a notion like editing experience you can write long form content um and then so that kind of lives alongside the references because just like you said sometimes you're just want to go right into the endpoints but other times maybe you're wanting to repeat walkthroughs um and the nice part about the the guides too is we're actively building our git markdown feature so hopefully you'll be able to um i'm not gonna give a date yet but we're working on it um where you'll be able to just kind of drop in maybe like a scalar file on your repo point it to markdown folder and then you'll be able to get beautiful documentation uh right on scalar so yeah uh and the other this is just more of a personal itch, right? The other uh, space where I find documentation challenging is if you're an open source maintainer. Mm -hmm. So I don't mean, you know, people who are maintainers of large projects because they're often supported by foundations and it's relatively easy to get contributions, companies sponsor, technical writers, that type of stuff. Uh, but there's, I'm sure you've seen the XKCD comic, right, of the like the one little pillar of open source by maintained by some guy for the last 20 years in Nebraska, right? That's holding up the rest of the whole open source stack. Um, so that there are like thousands and thousands of mid-tier open source projects where, you know, maybe the developer has, and it's usually just one person, right? Has like a, a GitHub wiki or they've put together a relatively con comprehensive readme on GitHub. But it's still, it's still kind of sucky documentation because your markdown doesn't make navigation easy. It's not particularly searchable. Um, and then you have people who've, you know, maybe they've used something like um, ViewPress. I, th oh, I think it's called VitePress now or, or various other static site generators, uh, which, which are kind of okay. But again, you got to figure out how to host it and all that sort of stuff. Um, what I find kind of appealing in terms of your vision is maybe there's, I don't know, maybe there's no money in supporting individual open source maintainers. I don't know, but is, is that a demographic that you're thinking about? It's it's something where, yeah, just to touch on a few things, we everything we've built is in Vue.js, so we're big Evan e fans. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, v, v, yeah v is great, yeah. Vpress is great. Yeah, I've been, we've been using, oh, we've been using Vue since, I think right when it hit 2.0, um, so this we built Launchico in in Vue um, awesome. forever ago. So awesome. yeah, big big Vue fans. So um, yeah, we we definitely see we're we're learning. I would say right now we're trying to figure out because you're right. There are lots of opportunities. Like it, there's so many factors of that. It's such a such a like it's like a seven dimensional kind of yeah. thing because yeah. it's like are you using Markdown MDX? Yeah. Are you using like docusaurus do you have your own things are you like there's lots of parts to it so right now we're really focused on starting with like markdown and publishing to scalar but 
I think as time goes on, um, I, I pr I'm a big open source contributor, sponsor, and I think we're going to be able to find a way to let that happen. I'm not, I just don't know exactly the, uh, yeah. how that would yeah. work just yet. Well, uh, I, I'd say go for it because it'll give you lots of those uh, wonderful TQLs, developer qualified leads, right? Because mm -hmm. those developers, they work for companies often, right? Mm -hmm. um, it'd, be nice totally... for, oh. it'd be nice Sorry, for open source contributors to get a bit of love, <laughs> get a little bit more love, don't you think? Yeah, I agree. That's why we well, we, that's why we started with the launch of the open source API references. So you could, you know, we have you know GitHub.com scalar slash scalar. Um, you can see our Redockly and Swagger UI uh, alternative, um, and you can. It's MIT licensed, and uh, yeah, that's like a huge thing that we're we're pushing towards. So yeah, definitely, I would absolutely love to have um, in the future surrounding the guides and markdown kind of yeah. what that would look like still need to figure it exactly out. So I know you guys are familiar with Hacker News because you did you did quite well on that a couple of years back. Uh, did you see today, I think, um, Copilot for Docs? Uh, did, you, did you come across that was rated, right? So this is where um, I guess it's GitHub's uh, attempt to do for code to do for documentation what they did for code, right? Where they're going to use generative AI and help you create documentation. Um, so the place I'm going with this is a lot of developers are now getting used to the fact that uh, if I'm using React uh, and I need to get some help with React, because you know, should I use your you call back, use memo, whatever, right? You don't have these problems with Vue, guys. Uh, it's much easier just to go to ChatGPT these days and just ask a question and get a, get results or get sample code. Uh, and what we're finding with a lot of the people that we work with uh, is they're starting, this is starting to bubble up. Uh, it's not mainstream, but it's starting to feel like it, it's going to be a hygiene factor in 12 months, six months maybe, where if I'm offering an API, part of my documentation delivery has to be a chat interface where I can just ask for sample usage, um, as opposed to the classic types of documentation we've seen up to now, right? The references and the tutorials and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so are you, is that a place you guys are going or what do you think? Yeah, we have a chat-like interface right now for that. I think I think the interesting part that that always that always like piques my interest, I guess, is just having the ability to, for multiple interfaces for it. So, like you said, it's it's really grokkable by how you how mm. you want to go through it. Because maybe 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 you're right. Maybe you're kind of fully in on this chat like interface. Um, but I've I oftentimes find it's 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 not just it's not just that it's not just one. Um, maybe that changes when we all have Neuralink and we're just yeah yeah maybe who knows. <laughs> um, but I think that I think it's a great great offering to have alongside your API uh, docs at the current time. Um, and so we're really excited about that feature that we have to offer. And I think, yeah, and I think, again, it just goes back to accessibility, making things more accessible. So all for it, I think it's fantastic. And um, some people, like I said, might prefer docs, might prefer looking right into the source code um, or, or just having like some sort of chat interface, especially when you're in the integration slash discovery phase of uh, of an of a new API, I think it's important to have kind of a more fluid 
um, uh, onboarding experience. Yeah. There's another feature. I, I'm I'm just picking all these features from my my goodie bag of features that I want. <laughs> Hopefully, you guys will build them. Uh, I, so just before we came on, I was telling you about um, the challenge I was having around uh, a particular API that we're working on. But as a user of APIs, one of the most frustrating things that I have is um, not being able to self-audit my inbound requests to the API. So if I submit a request to an API, uh, now a few companies do this, but it'd be really nice if you have a, a log interface where you can look at those requests and you can see what happened. You can see why they succeeded or failed or what they did or it cross links to the documentation, that type of stuff. I know that would represent a, a, a kind of a deeper integration. Um, so that's, I, I guess that's like documentation on just in time documentation, I guess, right? Because it's, it's literally, I literally sent this request and it didn't work. <laughs> so I want to know right now. Um, so I don't know, are you, are you guys looking at features like that where it's not just a documentation stack, but you're actually kind of going deeper into the implementation side? Yeah, it's a, it's a great feature. Stripe has that where you kind of plug yeah. in your API key in, right into the docs, but then also you can go and check to see what's, what's happening with, with all the requests coming through. I think, I think it's something where we've chatted about earlier this year, um, we're at the wonderful part of a startup where it's a prioritization problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's been great, but I think, I think it's really important. And I think as we get deeper into, like, I think just two weeks ago, we added the ability to, I, I should, I should double check this, but to have the, like, you can specify the auth header at the root level. So it's step one there. And then a deeper integration with whoever's hosting the docs, we, we could provide something kind of, like you said, like an audit history um, for the user too. It's not just, yeah, the user would be huge. Cause right now we do have in the client, like where you can test requests, um, we do have a history, but that's just kind of, you know, you're doing those requests through the interface. Whereas yeah, in, in yeah. the example you're talking about is, is outside of that. Like I have an audit history and I think, I think that's a, that's definitely something in the roadmap. I just don't know how soon. Uh, yeah, that's the toughest problem, right? But I, it's a nice problem to have, right? When your users, potential users, have a whole bunch of, you're you're not, you're not trying to uh, convince them that the idea itself is necessary, right? They can see, yeah, we need this, but we got to prioritize which features we're going to build first. Um, you guys are only starting on the journey. You're you're a small team. Uh, I I'm also interested in. And you're going to be living in this world of developer relations, right? But I'm kind of interested in how you, Mark, ended up in this place, right? Because you used to code firmware for Tesla, and you worked for IBM, and you did you did all sorts of all sorts of different roles within this industry. Uh, so I'm kind of interested in in how, yeah, your personal journey to this point, right? Ultimately, was it always about developer tools? Mm. <clears throat> no, it's a, it's a fantastic question. So just like a super quick primer, <laughs> I studied electrical engineering and or electrical and computer engineering at UVic. And um, yeah, so traditionally like more hardware, physics, and then uh, firmware, low level stuff. And when I came back from working at uh, or Tesla, I went to this hackathon. I had never done any web development prior to this. It was all just, if anything, Python was just all related to data science. And 
so I ended up winning the hackathon and that's where I met my co-founder Cameron. He was hosting the uh, hackathon and we became pretty fast friends um, and then just started hacking together. And he had this wonderful idea for Logico, which startup website builder, you know, that went fantastic. So essentially as we started building together, we just started interfacing with, for, for me, that was a, you know, you could think of even like <laughs> Unix commands as like an API, right? Like it really yeah. goes back. APIs go so far back. So been like in the kind of meta sense interfacing with them, but in the, uh, kind of software world hadn't necessarily been too too deep in until you know we started to accept payments or we were integrating with uh the noun project or other apis and started learning we started building our own apis and we we were big into firebase that was super helpful way back in the day um and so when you're doing that we constantly felt friction with some apis that weren't necessarily as documented or as interfaceable um, so that kind of spark lived with us as we grew, you know, we launched the paid version of LaunchCo after the number one on Hacker News and, and all that wonderful, amazing growth. And, and then at our time at Namecheap, when we were acquired, we, that just kind of got bigger. We started building more products, more services. Those services were talking to each other. We built a lot of interconnected tooling. So kind of, we could tell when, for example, when I was building APIs and I noticed that I didn't do such a great job or it wasn't easily interfaceable with the other team members, like the other team members weren't able to kind of grok what I was offering yeah. for, for this interface. So Cameron and I had always been thinking about, oh, like, you know, even if we build documentation or use the existing documentation solutions or testing, it still felt stale and fragmented. So we've always had this kind of itch to like, what if we you know, what if we were able to like productize or offer Stripe level docs for, for everyone. And so um, big open source fans and users over here. So super excited that we got to release the open source API references. And we, we feel like we did that. It's been a yeah. very, uh, I'm very grateful for all the wonderful feedback. And um, yeah, it's, it's been pretty surreal seeing the usage already. So I don't know if that I actually directly answered that. I kind of went off. I'm still going, getting over this cold. So no, I'm, I'm hearing, I'm, I'm hearing the pain from all those API integrations with Logico. Uh, yeah, I, I, I feel you, man. I feel it absolutely. Uh, and it's kind of crazy that it's still that way, right? When Stripe has been around for quite a while, and it is, it is the archetype, right? It's kind of like this. This is the standard you need to reach. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, going a little bit meta right because this does go back into the domain of developer relations uh so for a lot of practicing developer advocates part of the challenge they face especially this year has been justifying their existence uh and the poor quality of a lot of api documentation is just another reflection of the fact that developer relations as a thing still doesn't have uh massive buy-in from non-technical leadership and non-technical founders um i'm still waiting previous guest of mine uh, a guy called wesley faulkner uh his idea was that we need to get we need to get developer relations into the harvard business review as like a you know this is <laughs> this is something that has huge business value um so part of part of what we're doing here is effectively advocacy around the importance of the importance of recognizing that if you have great API documentation and great accessibility, uh, you're just making integration with your stuff way easier 
developers will choose what you're building. Um, and that, just to go back to you know the, the DQLs, developer qualified leads, right? The, it, it actually has business value. Um, so I would see scalar.com as, I guess, as part of that kind of second wave of um, proper business validation for developer relations as an activity. Sorry, maybe I'm getting a, a wee bit philosophical here, but I, I don't know. I, I just kind of, I guess the question is, do you feel the same way? Do you feel you're part of the next wave? Um, or have you, are, are you too busy to think about meta stuff like that? No, 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 no. I think, um, I think we have pure alignment there. Whenever Cameron and I build anything, we want to make, like, we were just, you go to it and you could just start using it. So yeah. with Launchico, the website builder or the logo maker, it was like one click and you were all already making your website, your logo. So it's the same thing. If you go to docs.scalar.com, you're just like right in the guide editing experience. We made our app feel like it is quite literally you click preview and that's what your published site's going to look like. So for us, we want to minimize any time around you as the you know, potential user for this product. Like you need to figure out if like this is going to be what you need. So for us, like having no barriers going into it is so important. And that 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 really just gets applied to to API onboarding too, right? If there's all these walls for you to get in, like sure, if you, if you're like you know for sure, like I need this uh, uh, shipping API, like there's no one else going to offer that. That's different than if you're trying to exploring and trying things out. Um, there's also so there's there's kind of that. So I agree with you 100%. I think a lot of, I think there's definitely a wave of of companies really prioritizing. Uh, developer experience it, it feels like maybe i'm just in in the bubble but it really does feel like companies are putting a lot more time into that the other side of it too is the we're trying to not only minimize onboarding time for for users to come into your api but onboarding time or trying to minimize the engineering time and design time or any other people at the company to make these apis as accessible as possible right so there's like two there's two parts of this and we're trying to do both so it's um from a business standpoint, I think a lot of companies can can see the uh the the quite literal we reduce time for onboarding, they onboard quicker, that value's there. Also we reduce time to make these things better, then there's value there too. Yeah, it's exciting. Um I, I, I really think you guys are right time, right place at the moment. Um thank you so much for coming on and talking. Uh it's super interesting. Uh I just you know. Out of my personal interest, I wish you well because uh, it's definitely it's definitely a service that I can see solving problems for me personally. <laughs> so that's what you get to do as a podcast host. You just get to solve your own problems, which is great. Uh, Mark, thank you so much. This has been awesome. Yeah, thank you so much, Richard. This was fantastic. I uh, love chatting about all things dev experience. So this is wonderful. And it was great cool. to meet you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We will talk again in a year's time. Because um, <laughs> yeah. I, I know you did the customer discovery bit, but I'm kind of interested to hear as people use it, because it's hard, it's hard to predict, right? What what are the actual pain points? Um, so I'm super interested in those from a DevRel perspective. Hmm. Yeah, so we're, st we're still um, still early and we're seeing a lot of great signs yeah. and a lot of good usage. Like, yeah, the, I know GitHub stars are kind of a, a somewhat vanity thing, but we hit 1K in in less than, a, I think, a week. So um, I'm getting lots of people using it. So I'm 
Yeah, super excited. Yeah, in a year it's gonna be great. We're gonna have so much stuff to talk about. <laughs> so <laughs> many, so many get up stars. Never you should do a new business model. You just need get up stars. It's fine. Mark, thank you so much. <laughs> Take care. Okay. Goodbye. Yeah, Goodbye. Soon. Bye. You can find the transcript of this podcast and any links mentioned on our podcast page at voxgig.com slash podcast. Subscribe for weekly editions where we talk to the people who make the developer community work. For even more, read our newsletter. You can subscribe at voxgig.com slash newsletter or follow our Twitter at voxgig. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.